Welcome to episode 10 of the Effective Faith podcast, a weekly podcast answering answering questions of productivity, tools and gear to help us get stuff done, as well as theology, Christian living, and how to approach getting things done in a way that supports our overall well-being and helps us to honour Jesus better. It's the subject of uh, many a sci-fi film, from low-budget B-movies to blockbusters costing millions of dollars, starring the biggest names of modern Hollywood. Technology is taking over. In fact, three of the biggest movie franchises in history have focused on this theme, whether that's the Matrix, the Terminator series, and even the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Avengers Age of Ultron dealt with the topic. The truth is that the takeover of technology is not really limited to science fiction. In a very real way, it is happening to each and every one of us every single day, and increasingly so as the generations move on from one to the next. Technology is with us all of the time, in our pockets, in our bags, controlling our homes, and it forms the backbone now of how we get things done and how we organise our lives. If you follow the productivity YouTube space at all, you'll have come across the phrase Life OS or Life Operating System. This is a system that is built into various apps or an all-in-one app or tool, a system for organising and managing every single aspect of your entire life. Technology, it has many benefits, and technology, it comes with many costs. I've thought about this a lot, and I've concluded the vast majority of the benefits come under the heading accessibility. As I've thought about it more, I've also concluded that the the largest part of the costs will also fit under that same heading, accessibility. The key benefits of our technology, our devices, are what is accessible to us, where it is accessible to us, and when it is accessible to us. And to answer those questions, you you need look no further than the Oscars 2023. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And of course, all the time. Think about it. If you've got a mobile phone in your pocket right now or in your hand or next to you, then you have access to a library of books that is growing ever closer to every single book ever written in the history of human thought. You have access to hundreds of thousands of hours of entertainment in video and musical format. You have access to journal articles, blog posts, random musings of crazy conspiracy theorists, instructional guides, educational courses... You can send and receive messages to, from every single person that you know and many people that you don't know, no matter where they are in the world, and you can do it instantaneously. You have immediate access to all of your work, past and present, and all of your tasks and notes and everything. Think of a question, any question you like. The chances are that using the phone in your pocket, you can find the best answer that humanity has to that question within a few minutes. Uh, Let me put it for you in more real terms. I did a quick Google search on this. The average book is estimated at about 80,000 words long. 
and it would take the average reader about five hours to read the average book. I'm told that my Kindle can store 10,000 books. Now, assuming I read for 16 hours a day every day, it will take me eight and a half years to read 10,000 books. Current estimates state that there are around 32 and a half million digital books available on Amazon right now. That is 27,825 years worth of reading for the average person. It's also estimated that it would take you nearly four and a half years to binge watch everything available on Netflix if you were watching for 24 hours a day. And all of this can be accessed from a device that's in your pocket all of the time. There are massive benefits to this degree of access. Many of us spent thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds or whatever on a university education, and it would pain you to know that you could very easily access everything that you got at uni, all of the information that you learned for nothing or next to nothing online. I've not tested this, but I suspect that you could learn most skills that you might ever consider learning through the use of the internet, YouTube and sites like Skillshare or Brilliant.com. Never before have we had the opportunity and access for learning than our technology provides us with. It also means that there's less need for us to remember things. In the early days of GTD or getting things done, David Allen used to say the brain is a place for having ideas, not for storing them. He still does say that. That, of course, would be one idea that he does have stored in his head. But in those early days of of analog systems, you still had to remember where exactly it was you had stored all of your ideas and work and notes and how to find them. You don't need to do that anymore. All of my tasks, all of my project notes, all of my other notes and reminders are all accessible to me all of the time and in my pocket on my phone. I don't need to remember any of it, nor do I need to remember where to find it. It's all in one place. And lastly, keeping in contact with people, communicating with people is just so much simpler. I want to know how you are. The time between the thought occurring in my head and sending the message is shorter now than ever before. I can call you wherever you are on the planet. And by and large, if you and I both have internet access and WhatsApp, then it's an instant thing. The access we have through our devices and our technology has unlocked benefits that our parents and grandparents could not even dream of. But this degree of access has costs as well. And whilst a sizable chunk of these fit the same heading of the things we have access to through our technology, how much we have access to, where and when we can access it. Another heading comes into play, and that is what has access to us, where and when it has access to us. As we look at the first, some of the dangers are obvious and others are less so. Having access to so much information all of the time has eliminated the need to learn and practice certain skills. And I think 
these are skills that are in the near future. They're going to become increasingly relevant. We've lost the ability to research things as carefully as we once did. If you needed to find the answer to a question, for example, and you couldn't use the internet to get it, where would you go? Who would you ask? How would you find the answer? As I said, this kind of skill is increasingly relevant as the internet is increasingly becoming full of incorrect information, fake news, they say, and answers to questions that just simply contradict each other. I found that in my Google search about how many books there are on Amazon and the average amount of time it would take to read the average book. We know that the internet is not the source of all truth, yet still we trust it because it's easier to do that than it is to actually consider how we might verify the information we find. This instant access is destroying our ability to wait for things as well. Instant access means instant gratification. And alongside that, we're losing our ability to focus and concentrate. There's an ever-encroaching desire to fit everything onto a smaller and smaller screen. This means that increasingly information is being conveyed to us in short videos or in images. It's almost unheard of to go to a website and expect to read anything of any significant length. The drive to convey relevant information in as short and as succinct a way as possible it's not a bad thing, far from it, but this, combined with the instant access that we now have, breeds an impatience with anything that requires time and effort to unlock that knowledge and wisdom from. This is dramatically impacting our capacity to learn and to delve deeply into topics, to evaluate, to apply the knowledge we learn at anything below the surface level. This is something that actually massively concerns me, especially for Christians, as it turns us away from deep study of the Bible and it turns us away from anything that is beyond a short accessible book that barely scratches the surface of any topic that we may be considering. And we've yet to consider the issue of distraction. That comes in so many forms. First, it comes because so much is so accessible so quickly, it can be hard to resist things that provide that instant gratification. Too often I, I hear of people and people say to me that they struggle to be present with their family because of the lure of social media, etc, etc, etc. Too often I hear of people who can't focus on deep work because the emails, the messages, the notifications keep coming in. Too often I hear about people, as I said above, unable to give time and focus to things, preferring instead to spend hour after hour mindlessly scrolling. Distraction, it also happens because, as we're all too aware, a lot of what's accessible to us is either totally irrelevant, pointless, or even damaging and dangerous. We know this. Yet still we click that clickbait headline. We take the quiz to find out which Ninja Turtle we would be. Distraction. It's a big problem. And when it comes to the issue of things having access to us, now I don't have anything like the insight into that that would be needed to discuss the ways in which big firms can use all the data that they collect through the devices that we have. 
But I flag this, the amount of data collected on us each day is staggering. It ranges from where we've been, where we shop, what we search for, what we buy, our exercise preferences and patterns, sleep patterns, and so much more. So I ask the question, given all of this, how do we have a healthy relationship with technology? I love the movie Mystery Men. I don't know if you've seen it. If you've not, I highly recommend it. It's hilarious. But my favorite line in the film is uttered by a character called the Sphinx and Mr. Furious together. The Sphinx is a hero, one of the mystery men who has the power of being terribly mysterious. Mr. Furious, another one of the mystery men, is empowered by his rage. The line I love is, if you do not learn to master your rage, then your rage will become your master. If we cannot learn to master our tech, then our tech will become our master. You see, the key is to set boundaries that maximize the benefits and minimize the costs. I could devote a whole series of podcasts to ways in which we can do this. Today, I'm going to limit myself and I'm going to share five thoughts that I'm working through and implementing. First, consider priority of communication. Who and what is going to get your attention and your focus? Now, obviously, there are nuances to what I'm about to say, but here's the basic idea. The most important person is the person who's in the room with you. Next up is the person who calls you, then people who message, then people who email. What I mean is, is if you're meeting someone and they're there with you in the room, they are the person who gets your focus and attention as priority. Don't ignore that person to take a phone call. Don't ignore them to read and respond to a text message or an email. You wouldn't hang up a phone call because you got a text and you want to read and reply to it. So why do you ignore the person who's actually physically present with you to do that? And then last on the list, least important of all, would be all of that communication and information that might be on your Twitter feed or your social media feed or your news feed. I want to say this is especially true if the person you're with is one of your children. They do not need to grow up feeling that they're less important to you than your phone. It is actually a deep sadness of mine that I've spent far too much time doing nothing on my phone and doing that in front of my children. Next up, consider your notifications. You don't need to have notifications set up for every single app on every single device. On my computer, the only apps that are allowed to send me notifications are my calendar and my task manager. On my phone and tablet, it's only calls, messages, calendar and task manager. And I'm actually very careful about what tasks and events send notifications. Critically, I don't have notifications popping up for emails on any of my devices. I also have my phone on Do Not Disturb quite a lot of the time. This is to stay focused on what I've decided to do and to be present with the people that I'm actually with. At least that's the intention. Next, consider your setup. Consider what apps you do and don't want on your phone and on your devices. Do you really need to have multiple messaging apps and multiple social media apps on your phone? 
consider what shortcuts uh, and apps you have on your home screen or the main screens of your phone. You see, I very deliberately have only apps to do with Bible reading, prayer and health and fitness on my main home screen of my phone. Consider carefully what goes in the dock of your phone or your laptop. These are going to be the apps that you access most often. Which do you want it to be? Then consider your personal rules that you're going to set for your use of technology. I'm not going to be prescriptive here on what rules you should set, but I would suggest you should have at least three aims that you want to achieve here. Number one, guard and protect your sleep. Number one, number two, guard and protect your time. And number three, guard and protect your attention. Some ideas could be things like don't have your phone with you by your bed. You're supposed to be sleeping not scrolling through cat videos or something. You might want to say all of your screens need to go off at a certain time to help you wind down for bed. You might want to schedule time during the day when you're allowed to have 10 or 15 minutes checking social media to prevent you from wasting hours and hours every day on Facebook and Twitter. You might want to schedule time for processing your email accounts and avoid it at all other times of the day, etc, etc. And then lastly, I would say consider the possibilities of all of this technology and all of this access. There are far more valuable things that you now have access to than memes and cat videos and the like. Subscribe to some YouTube channels that will teach you something. Take an online course, read blog posts, journal articles, read books, listen to audio books and podcasts. There is a lot out there that can help you grow and develop in so many ways. All the weird and the shallow stuff is it's standing like a giant guard monster barring your path. Kill the beast, reap the reward. If you found this valuable, then please do like this podcast, uh, share it, subscribe on whatever platform you use. Um, And if you have questions that you want me to consider in further episodes in the future, then please do email effectivefaith15.58 at gmail.com or use the contact form that's on effectivefaith.org. I leave you today with a paraphrase of a line I read some years ago. It might even be true. You have more computing power in your pocket than NASA had at their disposal in the 1960s. They used it to launch a man to the moon. You've used it to launch a bird into some pigs.